have no problem calling people Mark. No, no, he's thinking, don't tell me! Mark. Don't tell me! Mamma mia! Mamma mia! Are you kidding me? Mark is. Welcome to the Marks with Mike's podcast. Here are your hosts, Mr. Six Foot Nine and Dre the Juice Man. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Welcome to another edition of Marks with Mikes. I am your host, Mr. Six Foot Nine, JT the Godfather, joined by the homeboy Doug Douglas. And our, and our special guest calling in on the line live, Mr. I'm Justin Dortch. How's it going, man? How's it going, guys? Oh, it's lovely here in Cleveland, Ohio. Very lovely. Uh, definitely wanted to touch on a couple of things uh, as far as what went down this past weekend. Uh, NXT TakeOver 25 shaped up to be one of the best takeovers. And I feel like I say this every show after a takeover, but they just seem to top each show that they do. I mean, I said on Twitter earlier in this week, can you name me a bad takeover? And I'm going to ask this question to you, Justin. Can you name a bad takeover? Takeover two. I actually was having this conversation with someone earlier this week. If you take a look at the card on uh, of takeover two, it's a little rough. Uh, I mean, hold on. I'll pull it up for you just now. Uh, hey, let's just say there are some matches on there that you could you could do without. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, you're right. Takeovers are, let's be honest, it's what the, we want the WWE to be. Yes, yes. At, at the end of the day, that's exactly what we want. I mean, takeovers are basically what we want as far as a time limit for a pay-per-view anyways. Nobody wants to spend 13 hours just to watch the show. That sounds like a full-time and a part-time job put together. Uh, uh Doug, what is your opinion? Can you name me a bad takeover? I'm trying to go through the list right now on my own. I can't really. You know, I mean, the, the, some of those first ones, they weren't completely like the airtight like takeovers that we expect now where they're like five blockbuster matches back to back to back. Like they had like the Enzo like uh, like hair match or whatever. So like some of it was like that was takeover too. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that was the one I was watching recently. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably it's going to be in those those early full sale ones if there is one. But I mean, even then, it was just because you know 
it's the odd man out, and they're still pretty good from front to back. So now, what we talk about takeovers, uh, we cannot go on this show without ta- talking about this past Saturday's takeover, NXT Takeover Twenty Five, which was from top to bottom a stacked, a stacked card. And uh, I, I like to say that some of my predictions came true. Some of some of them did not. One of one of my predictions that I did predict that actually ended up not coming through was the undisputed era walking out with all the gold that night. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, it seems like uh, we have new NXT Tag Team Champions, uh, the Street Profits. How did you feel about that, um, Justin? Uh, first of all, the latter match was incredible. Uh, I. W- with the exception of the Undisputed Era, the Red Dragon group, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of any particular tag team in that match. And as I just watched it, it was, I mean, it's everything you want in wrestling. I didn't know a lot of a lot about everyone in the match, but by the end, I didn't care. They had done such a terrific job of selling that show, that event, that match to me, that I just, I was so impressed. And who had ever walked out of that match, I would have thought had earned it. Definitely agree. Doug, your opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, Oni and uh, Danny Birch, I mean, those are the guys that are going to kind of, I mean, those are like the actual revival to me. Like the, the guys that don't get enough credit and are always the workhorses and have hell of a matches, but they're never kind of that over as far as compared to other teams. But they always put on hell of a match. Um Kyle O'Reilly, man, he was giving Finn Balor a run for his money with getting beat the fuck up with the ladder over the last couple weekends. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he, he literally, they were throwing motherfuckers at other motherfuckers. So that was, yeah, I, I was glad for him that it was over. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of expecting the actual opposite sweep. Um, I predicted everything but the... Adam Colvin, uh, I, I thought they were going to get the, the swept, uh, the the bad sweep. Uh, but uh, Adam Cole stayed the undisputed there. We'll see if he turns into a cocky dickhead now that he's the the champ. I mean, it's it's definitely coming. I mean, you know, he's only going to get more arrogant. I mean, this kind of reminds me of of when he was in Ring of Honor, a part of the Bullet Club, of how of how cocky that he was, but. I would definitely like to see. I'd definitely like to see, um, definitely going forward, what the Street Profits are going to do as far as tag team champions. I mean, these guys have been on the roster for quite some time. Uh, you have Montez Ford, who's been there, I think, for about four or five years. I'm probably off. If I am off, tweet me. Let me know. Uh, at Marshall Mites on Twitter. Uh, but. I'd definitely like to see where this does go with them because uh, these guys uh, definitely have came a long way. And for them to walk out of that takeover tag team champions, that definitely does uh, go ahead and debunk one of our previous guests from last week uh, from No Marks Allowed, Antonio. Uh, Speaking of that, and we're going to hop back into NXT TakeOver, uh, but I wanted to touch on something from last week's show. Now, 
how did you feel about that double or nothing card? Justin. Um, so I've had the opportunity to go to both all in and double or nothing. Uh, I got to tell you uh, from a fan standpoint and JT, you know me, I'm a, I'm an indie guy. Uh, all in felt more special. Uh, but double or nothing was a better card. It was better produced. Um, I've actually had a chance to see it now on TV as well. Uh, I got to tell you, while All In felt like the celebration of everything that is indie wrestling, Double or Nothing felt like the start of something new. And I will tell you, it has already been the most successful pay-per-view, not WCW or WWE, of any wrestling company ever. Uh, The production values are right on point, but different than that of WWE. I don't know how they could have done a better job. I really don't. I think it was a home run every which way. Are there small things I had to change about this match or that? Absolutely. But it was the perfect show to start a promotion on. I don't think anyone could have done any better. Hmm. Now, I I actually proposed this question last week on the show. And I'm going to propose the same question to you. Do you think there were too many shots thrown in between StarCast and Double or Nothing towards their, well, I don't want to say competitor because they said they didn't want to compete. They wanted to be their own thing. But do you think it was too many shots thrown at WWE? Well, for starters, because I did go to StarCast as well, I think it's important to point out that StarCast is not AEW. It is run by a completely separate organization. Do the two work well together? Yes, they do. Um, but you can understand like, with what happened at Starcast, you can understand why Starcast was a little anti WWE, the pulling of the Undertaker, pulling of other talent. I can understand why there was a little bit of Starcast snark there. As for the AEW stuff, it was fun in the moment. It was one of the few indie part is still part of it. Still felt like an indie show. Uh, I hope it ends. Uh, it's one thing to take a jab here or there. Um, there were a few too many digs at them, I think, in the show. Um, but the Bucks and Cody themselves have said that this doesn't, uh, after Double or Nothing, they've both said that they don't plan on this being a regular thing. So if this is a one-off because it's the first show, I'm okay with it. If it becomes a reoccurring thing, that becomes a problem. Gotcha. Now, of course, the big moment from that night was, uh, far as uh, the shots, was the smashing of the quote-unquote Triple H-like throne. What did you think about that? Because I've already shared my opinion, which was I just thought it was a little bit corny at, at this point because over the past two years, you, if you watch be, be, Being the Elite, You've seen all the shots thrown the past two years, and then to do it on the pay-per-view, it's like, okay, all right. You know, at, at, at this point, it's kind of like, all right, we get it. You don't like the company. Uh, is that going to be your go-to for your punchline? So how did you feel about the smashing of the throne? Uh, well, personally, myself, uh, I thought the act itself was fine. I didn't think it made sense in the show where they did it. Uh, we were all prepped for the Cody match. He's supposed to be doing this huge event where he's fighting his brother and trying to kill the Attitude Era, which they've put, done a great job of putting over. 
if they'd have done that at the beginning of the show, uh, where the whole BET, the whole being the elite group was out there, and then he grabbed a sledgehammer and did it, I think it would have made more sense. Would have made you know, but to literally stop the show, it became more of a, a distraction than anything else. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, last question pertaining to double or nothing for the time being. John Moxley walking through the crowd, attacking Jericho, attacking the referee, attacking Kenny Omega. What was your reaction when you seen that? I'd like to hear, I think Doug saw this as well, so I'd like to ask him the same question after. But my reaction in the crowd was, this is it done right. They didn't announce it. We didn't know it was happening. They didn't play music. I cannot emphasize how important that was for the scene. As we're in the, the crowd, you hear this buzz ring in a corner. And the match, they did it at the right time. The match was over. We were all kind of waiting for the BTE moment that happens at the end of when these guys come out after every show. And that buzz hit. We weren't even sure they were still live on the pay-per-view. There was no music. The buzz hit. All of a sudden, everyone's head turned and the excitement that hit. And it was familiar enough with the entrance from the S.H.I.E.L.D. entrance that you knew who it was. But the uncertainty of what was going on felt so special, so unique in that crowd that it was just so electric that you just the whole crowd couldn't help but be excited from a guy just walking in through the crowd. (laughs) Yeah, Doug, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically it. They that was they they timed that perfectly. They had him come out from the perfect spot. They didn't try any goofy like shit where he was masked all the way up until the ring or something like that. Nothing like that. Yeah, they did it perfectly. It was the best. I thought it was the best. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a wrestling fan, you thought he was showing up. Every wrestling fan thought he was showing up. They gave it to us a way that it still felt special felt unique and that's that's really why we're all fans totally agree with that now hoppy back into nxt sorry if you're listening if i'm jumping all over the place but uh, i just had to get that out first but let's touch on that velveteen dream versus tyler breeze match to me could have stole the whole entire card uh what are your opinions on this doug that match in particular I mean, front to back, it was it was really good. This was going to be the one that had the perfect blend of in ring and character work because you know you got Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong and they're workhorses, but you know not necessarily to the point where they got their characters like they're dependent on their characters much. I mean, Tyler Breeze's character, and as far as main roster goes. People forgot how good he was in ring up until this match, uh, it seemed like. Um, but yeah, I mean, lots of good character work. They didn't, uh, I don't think they're doing anything with Breeze. I think that was kind of one of those things where they, even when he left, he got Jush and, you know, Thunder Liger. I think that was just something special that they wanted to do for uh, TakeOver 25 to, to do something that was a little bit of old NXT and new NXT. Uh, but it worked exactly for what it was. I mean, obviously those guys have a lot of parallels in their characters and whatnot, so they got a chance to play off all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, 
was tell the match. Now, me, I was waiting for that moment for Tyler Breeze when Tyler Breeze at the end of the match when he went for the selfie. I was expecting like a supermodel kick or something like that, uh, you know, because I, I I wanted to see Tyler Breeze be Prince Pretty, but be a more edgier Prince Pretty, like you know, all, almost like a hill, in, in, in a sense, but not quite a hill. I, I would have loved to see that super hit at the end of the match because that would have that would have uh, allowed the story to continue to uh, to to this. Well, I'm sorry, next week's NXT tapings or the next takeover that they have. But I would have definitely enjoyed that. Uh, what are your opinions on that, Justin? My opinions of this are twofold. First of all, the match per itself was technically fine. I mean, everything about that match was terrific. My problem with that match was I was not invested into it in the sense that there was no way that I ever think Tyler Breeze was going to win that match under no circumstances. And let me be clear and let me explain why. Uh, Velveteen Dream is the first guy I've seen in a long time that could be the next John Cena. That guy has so much charisma, so much talent to him that the WWE is doing the right thing by taking a young guy and doing a slow build. They bring Tyler Breeze down, and at no point was I ever concerned in any situation that he was going to actually pin Velveteen Dream. Because of that, it was hard for me to check into the match. Even though it was technically well done, everything about it was great. I would have to definitely agree with you on some points. Uh, I mean, of course, going in, no one expected Tyler Breeze to go ahead and win the championship. Only being that, you know, the championship itself is still young. It's only a year, a year and what, a year and two months old. Uh, so with that being said, uh, you don't want to have too many champions uh, holding the titles. It kind of devalues the whole entire legacy of the championship. It's not like it's a 24-7 championship where, you know, multiple champions holding that title uh, would would hurt it. I mean, the 24-7 championship that's meant to be a gimmick belt. But, you know, the NXT North American Championship, let's just be honest, when they first introduced that belt, I was excited for because I've always said NXT needed a quote-unquote mid-card championship, and uh, it was the perfect fit. But going into that match, I just already knew going off when the, when the bell first rang that, okay, Velveteen is going to win this match, but I was more intrigued on, okay, how are they going to tell the story? And the story itself from the match of what I got was, Velveteen, you may be good, but I can literally beat you if I definitely stayed focused during the whole entire match because there there were moments where Tyler Breeze could have won the match, but Velveteen just being the the guy that he is as uh, far as in-ring psychology, uh, it just made perfect sense for Velveteen to pick up that W. Doug, what did you think about that match as uh, far as uh, the ending of it and just the match as a whole? I had a little bit of they they did a good job selling the match up into the build up where I had a little bit of doubt where I thought there might be a chance where he comes back down 
randomly gets one. All of a sudden, we've resurrected Tyler Breeze's character and career. He's the new North American Championship. They can talk about it on SmackDown or Raw. You know, where's he been? He just showed up on NXT and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then have Velveteen get it back at, you know, the next one and, you know, whatever. But, you know, it didn't go that way. I didn't think they were going to go that way just because you would have to sacrifice Velveteen Dream to do that. He's fucking white hot. So, um, yeah, there was enough there where I, I was like, no, they, no, no, they're not going to. And then, no, no, they didn't. So it was kind of one of those matches for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I had enough where I, I got sucked in a little bit more than it uh, sounds like maybe Justin did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the match is fine. I mean, I had no problem with, you know, Dream losing or anything like that. I didn't, wasn't expecting it to, to that extent. Now, the next, next match I want to touch on is uh, definitely one of my favorite non-title matches for the night. And to me... They kicked off the show just right, and I believe that both of these guys don't get enough credit. And the match that I'm talking about is between the bro himself, the original bro, the king of bros, Matt Riddle, versus Roderick Strong. Now, that match, hands down, could have main event and take over. These guys were going back and forth, back and forth, like a ping pong match, like a tennis match, it's just you did not know the full outcome of of that whole entire match. Like there were moments where I thought Roger Strong was going to take it, and there were moments where I thought Matt Riddle was going to take it. But uh, Roger Strong, like Triple H said, uh, doing this Q and A after Takeover, he's just one of those guys that literally brings the best out of any competitor, and he's one of the few slept on talents inside NXT who I think should be holding gold. And if he's going to hold any belt, I would like to see him hold the North American championship. But Matt Riddle did come out with the win. And Matt Riddle kind of needed that because, you know, he's following a loss at the last takeover, takeover New York. Uh, I'm sorry, not, yes, Matt Riddle is following loss from takeover New York where he faced uh, Matt Riddle. But, uh, I would love, I'm sorry, when Matt Riddle faced Velveteen Dream, I just corrected myself. But I, I, I would love to just see that match again, but I would love to see it with a title on the line. Uh, how did you feel about that match? And I'm going to start off with you, Doug. How did you feel about it? Perfect, perfect start to a, a pay-per-view. I mean, if you want to get the crowd going, that was, I mean, they just, beat the hell out of each other for about what 15 minutes straight and yeah it was it was bell to bell it was hard hitting look stiff uh i mean it, it looked like they were in an athletic contest to try to pin each other for a wrestling victory as opposed to a you know a overly choreographed match or a goofy match i mean that was fucking that was if you're trying to imitate a sport, that was a match to show someone that this is something that can imitate a sport. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Justin, what was your take on that match? It was the first match of the card. Did it grab your attention? Uh I thought it was the best match of the night. Um first of all, I this is it's a perfect example against the Velveteen Dream match. Uh at no point did I think, well. Going into this, at no point did I think Roderick Strong was going to win. I thought this was, as you're right, just continue to build Matt Riddle, who, to be honest, I'm not really that high on. 
I think he's like the modern day RVD. Like he's just going to have the same character for his whole career and it's going to be fine. Um, and then he walked in, if we're making comparisons, to the modern day Dean Malenko. And they, despite the fact thinking that Strong had no chance to win at going into it, as you pointed out, JT, they had me going each way, back and forth. I wasn't sure. I got so into that match that I would have believed any outcome, any reason at any time. Like, I just think they nailed absolutely everything. Everything they hit was crisp, was smooth. The submissions, uh, the brutal bromission where he then just stopped trying to apply the hold and just dropped elbows on Roderick Strong like he was trying to kill a man was so believable, as Doug was pointing out. Like, I forgot that this was – you suspended your disbelief. I thought – I forgot this was a choreographed event. And I was like, holy crap, these guys are trying to kill themselves. Like, it was great. I really like that Dean, Dean Malenko comparison. That's, that's pretty strong. Well, if you think about it, it makes total sense. I mean, the guy can do everything. You pick a style, he can do it. When have you seen Roderick Strong fail at something? JT, you pointed out that like you hope he goes for a title. I do too, though I hope it's the breakup of the Undisputed Era, which they've kind of hinted at. And he's the first challenger that, you know, takes the loss, but he gets to go out on his own and create his own character as he gets a battle against Adam Cole. If, if this whole storyline, if you take it back from the origin was how Roderick Strong couldn't get it done and they offered him, you know, membership into the Undisputed Era so that he could get it done together with them you got to bring that full circle and have him go against Cole. It, it, if that doesn't happen there, that seems very WWE and not NXT like for them to do that. So I'm, I'm hoping that's, I mean, it doesn't have to be anytime soon and it doesn't have to be something that completely destroys the disputed era completely, but that's, that's gotta happen. I think so too, Doug. Hey, I agree with you guys. Uh, <laughs> That that will be actually good to see far as uh far as NXT television is concerned, definitely, but just as a major part of that storyline, that will definitely be great. All, although part of me wants them to call the Undisputed Era up, not now, because I, I, I want to see them all holding titles. But I would love to see when they come up to the main roster a breakup. And I I, I would definitely love to see NXT storylines carried over to the the main roster as well once they do get called up because that's that's one thing that they fail at every single time when they call someone up is that they never mention the previous history uh that that they had in NXT like to me I think I think uh they missed out on plenty of opportunities when it came to people such as Samoa Joe Finn Balor uh people such as uh gosh people such as Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe, like these are stories that they could have continued on the main roster because they had such good, such good chemistry back in NXT. Like, but unfortunately that's not the way things go on the main roster. Now moving on to the next match uh, to me, I thought this match was actually pretty damn good. It was uh, Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai and uh, for the women's championship. And, that match to me was 
as perfect as you could have made that match. You still kept Shayna Baszler strong, but you showed a lot of promise with Io Shirai inside that match. You kept her strong. She didn't tap out. She just passed out. And uh, I think I think eventually this story is going to come full circle come August where the story will probably end. And if the rumors are true, Shayna Baszler may be getting called up to the main roster. I'm not sure about the other two horsewomen. Uh, but it will be something to see. But how how did you all feel about that match? Uh, how did you feel, Justin, about that women's match? I thought it was the worst match on the card. To be honest with you, I thought it was too short. I didn't think they gave the. I did. I agree that they kept Baszler strong, but I I didn't think any of the Io Shirai stuff made sense. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure why Io Shirai is even still in NXT. Um, she's clearly so talented. If you're going to call up Kyrie Sane to be a tag wrestler, you should have just called up Io. Um, she's you're probably right. She's probably the person that ends up beating Shayna for the title just because it's credible. But there was nothing in this match, especially her irrational uh, attack afterwards. She lost cleanly. I mean, there's nothing about that loss that suggests that she should have freaked out and gone hardcore about it. Uh, just it it was it was the worst I've seen of NXT storyline telling in my point in my view. Yeah, I definitely think they could have bridged over and told because I think what they were going for was you know, trying to sell that the, the horsewoman got involved and, and fucked up the flow of the match. And even though it, so like it didn't happen close enough to the finish where it seemed like that was the story and it wasn't like a direct distraction. Like she was looking at them and all of a sudden she got rolled up or something like that. So yeah, that, that made that part weird. And then, you know, it's just, this has kind of been a theme that a few people have brought up recently that, there's definitely a hole in the NXT women's roster now because once they brought up Kyrie, I mean, that was one of your big baby faces that you were supposedly building up. Uh, you know, Bianca Belair was one of your big baby faces, and then you kind of turned her back heel, and you got Mia Yim in the picture, and then after that, it kind of drops off when you got, you know, your Vanessa Bournes and your Aaliyahs and stuff like that. So there's a big gap in who actually looks like a credible contender to her right now. So I don't know if they were trying to. You know, they've been throwing leather jackets and stuff on EO. I don't know if they're trying to make her look like a badass and, you know, how she doesn't give a shit. She's a loose cannon. I don't know. But, yeah, it definitely seemed a little out of place. Maybe we'll get a little bit more explanation on uh, the, the next episode of NXT. It didn't look like they were, you know, tonight was uh, some of the pre-show matches and stuff like that from what I caught before we jumped on. But, um, yeah, definitely some funky storytelling it could have just it could have just been the timing or something like that but yeah it didn't come off well um but the, the match was good um it wasn't great it was it was fine um i like baszler as a character and she probably should fill that gap on the main roster that that ronda rousey kind of left and the, the other two horsewomen need to stay behind because they're green as grass um and then have them pop out you know, once Baszler starts to, once someone figures out, you know, Baszler's game a little bit, uh, then they can bring them up hopefully a little bit after that and have, you know, Baszler, you know, remain on top because, you know, now she's got backup. You know, you finally figured it out. You know, she's a badass, but someone, you know, 
you know, figured out how to pin her, but then all of a sudden you have the four horse, the rest of the four horsewomen come back and then, you know, maybe Rousey's back by then. But uh, yeah, definitely funky on the match finish. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. I mean, Candice LeRae running out there with the kendo stick, uh, beating on Maria Shafir and Jessamine Duke like uh, that. That uh, that to me made a little sense, but it didn't make any sense. I mean, I understand they did attack her the previous NXT episode, but you know I could have did without. But she definitely did need some type of backup. Now to get on to the main event of the card, before I even get there, I have to give a huge shout out to our former guest Josiah Williams of Wrestle and Flow, making his WWE NXT debut coming out with adam cole rapping his version of the undisputed era theme song the video that made him go viral the video that gave us interest in having him on the show the same video that introduced me to his music which you can find on spotify title apple uh you can find it on uh amazon music you can also find his music on google play and wherever music is available but I was just so proud and just so happy to see Josiah live his dream. And um, he mentioned that Road Dog told him, hey, you want to be a star kid? Here's your chance. Go out there and knock him, knock him dead. And that's exactly what he did when he came out. Some of the people in the crowd were rapping, rapping, uh, rapping along to the lyrics. Uh, people at home who have tuned in to his Wrestling Flow YouTube channel, which you can find on YouTube underneath uh, Wrestling Flow or Jadeen Williams. But when I tell you, I was just super proud and just super stoked to see that. Um, j- just to see that moment, it was definitely surreal for me because it wasn't not too long ago. He was just on this show, and I just told him that it will be a matter of time before they call you and sign you. And, um, you know, who knows where this goes? I mean, maybe they do something edgy and do another WWE Ruthless Aggression CD. They have them feature on a couple tracks. Who knows? But let's talk about this match. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about the main event. Adam Cole, baby, versus Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. But before I get there, I know I'm hopping all over the place. Uh, the touchback on Shayna Baszler. I would love to see Shayna Baszler just return the AIW Women's Championship. That way they can have a women's title at AIW. Uh, but moving on from that, let's hop back into the match. What did you think of this match? And I'll give my opinion last. So we'll go ahead and start off with you, Doug. What did you think? Well, you know, Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland part of me hurt to see Johnny go down. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it was a hell of a match. Um, I think it was better than the, the two out of three falls match. Uh, I think the stipulations kind of happened backwards. It was a little weird to see, um, you know, the, the two out of three falls match before this kind of match. But the way they told the story, you know, Adam Cole had the whole thing where if we did do it without the stipulation, um, you know, I would have won. And, you know, Johnny wanted the two out of three things. So it would be definitive. And it was so. That made sense from a storyline. It just it still was kind of weird to to see it in that sequence from match to match without any of the stuff in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it got a little crazy at the end as far as how many kicks and stuff like that goes for my taste it, it started to get a little too off the rail it, but they pulled it back and whenever that happened so like i like when i was waiting for like one more super kick you know johnny fell to the mat kind of thing so i was like all right you know so that's fine enough uh, i'm not gonna nitpick that but yeah it was tore the house down cole got the the victory it kind of sucked to see so many people be on cole's side you know it was, um hoping to see Johnny get a little bit more love on the, the way out. But uh, I think so many people have been craving that Adam Colt uh, victory that uh, kind of swept over what it was left of uh, Johnny mania. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we will, we'll see what's going on with the undisputed era now that uh, the, the ringleader is the one with the gold again and no one else is uh, um, in the, the title picture really. Uh I don't. Did they ever say whether Fish was just selling that ladder match by having that sling on, or if he's actually hurt? Or did anyone hear anything about that? I've I've heard that he's actually hurt. Uh, he's not banged up too bad that that he couldn't wrestle this past takeover. But yeah, he's he's hurt. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's a major injury. I think it's just something they needed him to, you know basically prop up after the match but i think he'll be back uh at the next set of tapings which is happening i believe today if i'm not mistaken but uh i don't i don't think he's banged up that bad justin have you heard anything about about this injury my from what i had heard is uh, probably from the same place as you guys are uh that it was a precautionary thing that they that it wasn't they that, yeah if he had to wrestle the next match he could have but they were just, it was a caution thing. Why not? Plus, you know, it does, it did sell the damage of that absolutely brutal ladder match. So. It did. I mean, it definitely did. But I have to, I have to point this out. Did we see, did you all not see Britt Baker inside the crowd? And uh, I like the fact that they didn't mention her at all. But I, I do like the fact that they did put the camera on her because it kind of, it's kind of reminiscent. Back in the day, when the Highlanders showed up on TNA Impact and they put the camera on, the camera on them, and uh, I, I, I just thought that that was pretty. Uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, they didn't mention her. Seth McMahon was in the crowd, and the kid was wearing a Macho Man shirt right behind her, and he, and she points at it. It's like that. That to me was just pure, pure comedy genius. Uh, kind of Stephanie's way of, of playing with the, the wrestling fans out there, uh, but. Britt Baker showing up to an NXT event. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I don't see Adam Cole showing up to an AEW event. I don't think uh, Triple H is going to let that happen whenever um, AEW does introduce a women's title. Um, But to go ahead and move on uh, into the next part of the show, I did post a Q&A portion on, on the accounts and we only got one question which is cool because it's something new i wasn't expecting a whole bunch of feedback uh from that from today but we'll start to do that every week but the question that i did get was from last week's guest uh antonio of of no marks allowed he asks are we still watching wwe with the laughing crying emoji emoji uh doug did you want to answer that question (laughs) uh yes yes we are 
<laughs> and uh, speaking of WWE, we are, uh, well, Friday, which will be tomorrow because today's Thursday and you all are, will be listening to the podcast. Uh, Friday is the super showdown uh, pay-per-view going down uh, across seas there in Jeddah. Um, Goldberg versus The Undertaker. I posed this question before in the past, but now that I have you two on the show, I'm going to pose this question, and I'm going to start off with Justin this time. Do you think this match is way overdue, and do you think that we will enjoy this as fans? Uh, Well, you will have to tell me, because I will not be watching it. Um, I won't watch it for a myriad of reasons, one of the which is there's nothing about this pay-per-view that interests me. So, no. Does it interest me? Yeah, sure, it would have 15 years ago. Now, it's it's a guy who doesn't really want to wrestle versus a guy who never really wanted to wrestle, all doing it for a big paycheck. So, no, not interested. Uh, well, it's the same question help. to you, Doug. I, I can't help it. I There's a little part of me that uh, is just nostalgically interested in it. Um, I don't have a fucking thing in the world to do right now as I sit here and try to get a job in between semesters of school. So I'll be available. So I'll pa- I'll have it on. I'll probably be working on other shit and have it on in the background. It'll be cool to see the demon. I'm a big Finn Balor guy. I named my dog Finn and all that shit. So, um, but, I mean, Goldberg and Undertaker, I, it's, I'll be happy to see the spectacle of it. But, you know, once the bell rings, it, not expecting a whole lot from that. Um, I'm I'm happy for the Saudi fans. I mean, there's a lot of shit going around about the political side of this stuff. And I think a lot of it is just kind of bagging on WWE a little bit. I don't really think it's their responsibility to, to take the moral stand for the entire world on, you know, shit like that. And there are fans that genuinely are fans there that genuinely want to see that. And, genuinely have nothing to do with any of that political shit so i'm happy for them that they get to see the things that we get to see all the time and kind of take for granted a little bit so you know i it is what it is you know there's people talking about you know banning wwe because they still do this but they're driving around with saudi and arabian gas in their car <laughs> so like i don't know man you're gonna ban gasoline it's just a little silly i, I don't think that you should find politics and morals unless that it was like a like you know we, we killed the journalists so that we could have wwe and there wasn't anything like that and these rumors about alexa bliss and natalia being able to get the wrestle you know I, I'm, I'm sure that could just be bullshit it could be something that they have out there to maybe get people wanting to watch or it could actually happen so if it actually happens i'll be very happy that it did happen and Hopefully people will give it the credit that it deserves because that will be a big moment for, for females and people in Saudi Arabia. So uh, other than that, it is pretty much a throwaway house show. I mean, it is. It, all the WrestleMania equivalents and all that, that's just marketing stuff for the Saudi Arabian people so they don't feel like they got gypped into signing a 10-year house show deal. Uh, but, I mean, they've never really used these pay-per-views to continue many storylines or they just kind of overlap them or kill them off as one-offs like the, you know, Triple H and Orton and Goldberg and 
Undertaker and all that stuff. So hopefully we just move right into, uh, what is it, uh, stomping ground and just get to SummerSlam and get to get to the good stuff. I mean, this is always a weird time of year for WWE. They don't do a lot outside of Money in the Bank up until SummerSlam. So kind of their off-season, in, if they have one, I guess. So glad to get the, the good stuff Doug, I actually think that's kind of my problem with it. You're right. I agree with you. This Everyone has some dirty hands when you're talking about dealing with Saudi Arabia. So let's keep the politics out of it. What I'm sick of with the WWE in this deal is quit, quit, tell, you know, quit giving me shit and telling me it's the greatest sandwich I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm so I'm tired of this. Is the, this is an event that is equal to or maybe greater than WrestleMania. No, it's not. It's not even anywhere close. It's not even as good as the WWE live event you had here in Columbus six months ago. Like, <laughs> it's fine. You took a right. paycheck, admit it. You got to put it on TV to make the Saudi Arabians feel good about the, you know, the situation. It's particularly the princes and everyone that's paying for it. But don't, again, don't sell me shit and tell me it's chicken salad. Like, it's just not. Well, that chicken shit will at least have pyro, which is always good. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, it will be nice to see, you know, pyro. It's just, it's one of those dumb little things that makes wrestling cool that I really wish that they never got rid of production-wise. I think that's one of the reasons why they have such a hard time having the production look so clean now where they needed to consider darkening the graphics and the crowd and stuff like that because they don't have the smoke and stuff like that anymore so it just looks too clean for such a, a gritty sport so pyro school but other than that yeah let's just get to stomping grounds get to SummerSlam and move on I totally agree with that I totally agree uh, with that now one last thing I want to bring up on the show before we go in and end, and you also had something that you wanted to plug as well, Doug. But uh, one last thing that I wanted to get out the way uh, just happened this Wednesday. Uh, John Moxley uh, wins the NW. I'm sorry, the NJWP. Um, damn, I said that wrong again. I'm gonna have to cut that out. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. John Moxley wins the New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Championship. Do you think it was too soon for him to just grab a title? Or do you think it's good marketing uh far as by A AEW and New Japan, regardless of the fact that they are working together, quote unquote? What do you think, Doug? I was a little surprised that he walked right in there and took a championship, especially because as someone who doesn't follow New Japan on a week-to-week basis, I had heard a lot of good things about what Juice Robinson was doing and how he had resurrected his career and didn't need NXT and was a good example of, you know, even NXT lets talents go to waste sometimes kind of thing. So to have all the all that fan support that I had heard from all the New Japan fans just kind of turn in get swept up in, you know, Moxley mania. Um, I was a little surprised by that, but, you know, again, I, I understand why it happened. Um, I was talking to some fans on Twitter 
um, about how it, it's just an opportunity for Juice to move up into the IC title scene in New Japan. So could be one of those things where, you know, he just needed to drop it so he could move on to bigger and better himself and then let Moxley elevate the title and give it to someone else on the way back out the door when uh, TNT starts doing AEW. So makes sense. Um, you know, <laughs> it was one of those things where the, 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 the joke of uh, if it happens in Japan, it gets an extra star kind of thing. It seemed to have a little bit of that going on. It's really on Twitter, but I understand too that a lot of the people who have already seen it are probably pretty big new Japan fans that stayed up late and that's their thing. And, that's their favorite brand and product and all that kind of stuff. So took that with a little bit of grain of salt, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably planning on watching that tonight. I want to check out uh, the Abushi match, the, the switchblade match. I mean, I heard a lot of good matches came from that show. So it seemed like it went off really well. I mean, Moxley is now officially an in-ring competitor. I mean, at least, at least he's a in-ring competitor for us in another country. But what what did you think about that, Justin? Uh, as far as Moxley gaining the championship on his first ever uh, match after WWE? Well, Doug JT, I am a huge. Actually, New Japan is probably my favorite promotion. And at lunch today at work, I actually did watch that match because I I saw the result and I wanted to see what happened in the ring. It. You're right, Doug. It looked like a Dean Ambrose match. It looked like a really good Dean Ambrose match. Uh, One of his better ones. But it did. The interesting thing about it, and I do think the people you talk to on Twitter is right, uh, who came out, despite losing, who came out looking like a million bucks, was Juice Robinson. I am not a Juice Robinson fan, and I thought he looked terrific. He sold every the reason it was a good Dean Ambrose match is because Juice Robinson sold his ass off. He made everything look great, which is different than what I think usually happens in his matches. Um, as for winning the title, I, it makes complete sense to me whether uh, Juice wins it again later on or whatever happens. New Japan, like. AEW is looking to be to make an impact in the Western Hemisphere, whether that be Britain or the United States. They're trying really hard to make that impact. The way you make that impact is by getting a guy and putting a title on him and giving people a reason in the U.S. to watch him. Juice, despite all the good things he has done, and he has grown a lot since C.J. Parker, um, just isn't going to draw the American fan like that. If you're a casual WWE fan, however, and Dominion's, what, four or five days away, and what do you want to bet? Moxley's defending the title on that show. And if he's defending it, and you hear that Dean Ambrose is going to be defending his new belt on this pay-per-view, which, by the way, we just announced we have a deal with Fight Network, a Fight TV, so you can rent it for twenty nine ninety nine. Isn't that a great deal? It's so much cheaper than the AEW pay-per-view. Like, it just makes a, yeah, it makes so much sense if you're New Japan. Just get them in the door. Get them to see the product. I think it's a smart move. Uh, it, weirdly enough, if you look at the lineage of the uh, U.S. title in New Japan, it's already building quite the history. 
Juice Robinson is proving to be a, a transitional champion and the only two-time champion. But the other champions are Chris Jericho, uh, Kenny Omega. I'm sorry, not Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega, Jay White, who then went on to be the IG, IGPW world champ, and uh, Cody Rhodes. Like, yeah, this is starting to build a nice gaijin title for them. Yeah, and I, again, I don't really follow New Japan like that, but I kind of know enough to know what you're talking about <laughs> um, and, like, who's good. And you know, I, I'm, I'm the guy that kind of waits to hear, you got to go watch this match, and then I'll go watch that match kind of thing. I watched Wrestle Kingdom last, this last past Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I you know, went back and watched um, Prince Devitt matches. But you're right. It's it's the Western wrestlers that draw me in. I, it's, that's that's probably my biggest problem with the product is I can't follow some of it. Some of the little things that I appreciate about wrestling, there is that language barrier. Um, where people are cutting from in English and there's subtitles and there's English commentary. You do miss a little bit of some of that. So that's one of the things that ever draw me draw me in completely. But from an entering standpoint, I've always been impressed with New Japan as a product. I mean, yeah. I really appreciate how they do the sports field, how the style's a little bit stiffer, how they're not afraid to, um, you know, do a bunch of wrestling sequences and stuff like that. come to respect the crowd a little bit. The crowd kind of threw me off a little bit because used to the rowdy fucking American swilling beer and yelling and all that kind of shit. You know, they're doing like the golf claps and whatnot, appreciating the wrestling. So that's grown on me even too. But, you know, yeah, like I said, I, it's a perfect example. I'm going to seek out watching it. I probably won't pay for it, admittedly, but I'm a pro college student. I'll pay for it <laughs> eventually. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it still gets me eyes on the product. It still gets me talking about it. So as much as, you know, I'm not paying for it. I'm still going to be talking about it. We're talking about it on this podcast. I'll be talking about it on Twitter. Other people will respond, and you know, it's it's advertisement. So yeah, they're doing exactly what they should. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, me personally, I know you want to keep Moxley strong. You want to keep him strong because. You know, he's getting ready to do big things in AEW. So I didn't expect him to lose the match. I just thought that maybe he should have had a couple more matches, whether that was televised on Power Slam TV or independent wrestling TV or nothing else on uh, nothing else on TV uh, streaming app for wrestling. I, I think those matches should have came first before a title win because uh you know off off the back it's almost uh it's it's almost like uh how, how can i really compare this not to compare the two characters in any type of way right but do you all remember when all scenarios left wwe and right off the bat he captured title after title after title after title and it's like, uh, well, to me, that just happened way too fast because you're just leaving another company. I, I, I understand that you want to make yourself very strong, but to 
grab a title that quick for me was was it wasn't enough build up to the Moxley character, so to speak. JT, I think the difference here with it, that one is is all of those titles were designed to get Austin Aries over, not those titles. I think that this the point of this is to get that title over with the American fan base. If I was New Japan, I would tell he's uh Mox has already announced he's doing like a New England a couple New England shows and a couple other shows here in the US before the AEW deal kicks in. I would I would keep the belt on him until the absolute last minute I could and I would have him defending that at you know this the Northeast Wrestling Show everywhere just to get eyes on my product. And I think that's the difference between the Aries example. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay. I could definitely uh, agree with that. I mean, yes, Aries did get himself over. But at the same time, it did bring attention to some of these promotions that me personally, I had never heard of until that started to happen. But uh, I couldn't name a single belt that he won. I knew he had a bunch of them, but I couldn't name a single belt. Well, I actually have a picture uh, with, with all the belts uh, far as in the U.S. But uh, I know I know Aries won, won the the five championship. I think he had a, at one point. He also captured, if I'm not mistaken, no, he he didn't capture the Ring of Honor championship. Thank God. Uh, but you know, you, you are right in in a sense far as dealing with that storyline of uh, Austin Aries just getting himself over, but. Um, this could be a great thing, like you both said, for New Japan Pro Wrestling, because it wasn't that long ago. And when I say that long ago, I mean 2018. It wasn't that long ago that people were saying that New Japan would be the competition for WWE once they cross over into uh, the U.S. And I still believe that to be true. Uh, I, I still think that spot is open for any promotion. Uh, but... I do think that New Japan can really give WWE a run for their money just off the simple fact of the style of wrestling and the art that they present and their their fans. I mean, it's a different take to it. Like you did say, Doug, instead of the, the loud, you know, rowdy WWE crowd, this crowd's more paying attention to the action. It's almost to them. It's, it's almost like watching, like you said, like a game of golf or, you know, the game of tennis. You know, just really paying attention to what's going on and appreciate the art form of what these guys are doing. But uh, not to get too caught up on John Moxley, because I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about this guy in every future podcast that comes up until uh, AEW does debut their TV show on TNT. But you wanted to plug something, uh, Doug. What was that? So, you know, I, I reached out on uh, my Twitter page, uh, Tales of Wrestling, which is Tales of Wrestling without the G at the end because of Twitter's character limit on Twitter handles. So you can find me on there. That's my new page. I know I've been seeing uh, Doug Turrington, but Tales of Wrestling. Um, so I had a, a local wrestler reached out to me, um, or local for his area, Um by the name of Ace Two-Face Warzone, and you can find him on Twitter at bloody underscore buckets one, number one. Um, 
he's got something to say about someone at, um, you know, that he's got beef with it by the name of Hollywood Hooligan. You don't know me, but I'm new to the backyard wrestling industry. However, when I step in the ring, my opponents are going to have to earn it if they want to make it. If they want to make me tap out or submit to them. However, when it comes to you and the YouTube Wrestling Figures Heavyweight Championship, you are not going to be able to pin me or even be able to run. I'm walking on in the challenger and walking out the champion. Think you're the true champion? Then accept this challenge. Falls Count Anywhere match. Main event slot on GTS, February 20th. 2020 that's it so you know hollywood hooligan ace two-faced warzone is calling you out he he wants to meet you in the ring he wants that main event slot he wants the falls to count anywhere and he wants it to happen february 20th 2020 gauntlet has been laid down we'll see what happens talk about a promoter man this guy's building this match a year out so uh definitely can't wait for that to happen and uh maybe we'll hear from him uh, inside one of our future podcasts. But before we go, I have to tell you guys to definitely check out Marks at Night on the YouTube channel with our special guest this week, Chase Winners. Uh, so you'll get to see a quick interview with uh, Chase, myself, Dre the Juice Man, uh, just talking about his big win at RSW, the Battle of Cleveland, which happened April uh Gosh, April uh, 12th and 13th uh, at Mulberries. But check it out and also go back and check out some of the previous episodes on our YouTube channel uh, to look at season one and a little bit of uh, what's happened so far in season two. We have some big episodes coming up in the week. Make sure you tune into YouTube while you still can and while the show is still available there because there's going to be a changing inside of that YouTube channel. And uh, I'll just go in and say it. Maybe you guys may start seeing the podcast on there instead of the Marks at Night show. We want to keep those two products definitely separate uh, when it does come uh, to our our image. But with that being said, be on the lookout for a new contest that we will be coming up with this summer. And you may be in line to win a special prize, which will be voted on by you, the listeners, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, and also on this Facebook page that I have not taken care of. But I'll make sure to announce it. I'm pretty sure Doug will share it. I'm pretty sure Justin will share it as well. But we do have a contest coming up real soon. Make sure you do go to our store at whatamaneuver.net. Type in Marks with Mics, and you'll be able to find some of the cool Marks with Mics gear so far. We have a couple more T-shirts coming out this summer as well as the fall, and also be on the lookout for that as well. And on next week's show, we have a major, major announcement coming up in regards to the next show going down here in Cleveland, presented by Marks with Mikes and Real Shoot Wrestling. So stay on the lookout for that. I cannot wait to tell you more about it. Only thing I can tell you is seven. But with that being said, I'm Mr. Six Foot Nine. That was Homeboy Doug and our special guest, Justin Dorch. Thank you for joining the show, man. I cannot wait to have you back on. We definitely have some things to talk about, and we have some news to give the wrestling fans on this show as well. But we'll keep that on the hush-hush, right, Justin? 
That's the plan. <laughs> that is the shit you do follow, uh, Justin, and you can find him at D O R T C H four and W, of course, the letter W. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, make sure you do give him a shout out. And if you do enjoy this episode, let us know. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think. Drop us off a question, and you may hear that on the next episode of Marks with Mikes. Make sure you also do sign up for Power Slam TV and type in the promo code MWM for life to get one month free. That's right, one month free on us. Check out all the independent wrestling. Uh, out there inside the whole entire world. They just went ahead and signed WWN, the World Wrestling Network, which does include some of the best independent wrestling in the world, such as GCW and along uh, with OVW, as well as many other promotions. But until then, we'll see you on episode number 70. And we are out. Boom.